0: Our passage this morning is out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and as the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich, is because of his great love for us. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive of Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved.
1: And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In
0: order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, saved, of this not from yourselves, but is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. But we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do of God for all people. Thanks be to God.
1: Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle to understand it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggle with understanding grace. Jesus sent you? You're alive! I can't believe you're alive! Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, your that's on the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fish i my own, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gag a fish pop out that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there's you. You're looking at me on the seashore Mill words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you, you know everything, I love you. Good, good, then you feed my sheep. I didn't know your had livestock. That's I so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time, that's what I love about you, Peter. You know, do you remember uh, the morning lady went to the tomb? Yeah, we're all in the room we trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you we were dead, you know, you we were dead, you know, we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up and Mary's like saying, beehive, be beehive. beehive. I'm thinking I'm allergic to be but King out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I remember correctly. She was saying he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. one, who's alive? Who's alive? And she said she was at the. Peter, this is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and if you did it. No, let's do This is the like, work. What? Um, yeah. like, the angel said, What? I'm tell the disciples of Peter that everything. that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if i belonged to you if i was with you and i kept denying you left and right or i just you know it was taking my whole life to make up for what i did it was unforgivable what i did what i did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable that's my grace it's not about you
0: God for grace, but how many of us are like Peter, and we get this wonderful gift extended to us, and we're like, I know I've got to earn it, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. If I just do this and if I can, what else can I do? and, And if I can build this and if I can do this for you, Lord, then maybe I can earn your grace. There's one line that did that was the whole reason for this morning. It's not about you. It's about me. See, it's a pure gift given to us. And our passage starts out talking about transgressions. And that's just kind of a fancy word for yeah. sin, right? You know how I, I to write a lot of right thin, and if I had a big board, I'd write this. So I'd write this little midi S, right, and then I'd do an I, like it, reach so that the eye I's massive in the middle, in the middle of the big end. because you know why? You know what the thin is all about. So when we're in, when when we're self focused and we're looking at ourselves above other things and we're putting ourselves first it gets in the way of our relationship with God and that is sin. The Greek word is a great word, it's hamartia, which is an archery term, which really means to miss the mark. So let's say I'm if I had a target, skip and stuff. I'd be need to have an archery set in here and go, So if I shoot here, you ready to go? Yeah, it'd be like moving. But if, if I shoot at that target, and the target is the will of God, the goal is to be, is, is to align ourselves with the will of God, right? That's, that's our goal as believers? Okay, that's my goal as believers. <laughs> that's our goal, right? Amen. That's what we want to do. We want to follow God's call in our life. When He calls our name, we want to follow. Him. So if that's the target, and I'm shooting at it, and I shoot, and I miss, This much, Russ. I mean, I just almost hit that much off the the dead bullseye in the center. But you know, if that error keeps going, you know what happens in my life. If I never correct, if I never try to come back to the will of God, it does this further and further and further from the will of God. That's why we have to come back, and we have to. That's why we have confession. That's why we if if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because no matter how how much we, we try to hit dead bullseye, we're going to be off a little bit. And that's the message of today. Is that it's okay to be off a little bit. Don't give up. Because God has extended this gift to you. It's called Race. He gives it to you and, and to me, because he knows that no matter how hard we try, in fact, we're going to try. In fact, most of us in here are going to try way too hard because we're going to try to earn whatever we can. You know, we're very self-sufficient, that's Americans. right? Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, that's right. You know, we are very self-reliant people, right? That, is that a bad thing in and of itself? It's only then when it gets in the way of being god life. When we become so self-sufficient that we forget that ultimately everything that we have is a gift from God. So this morning i want to talk about grace. I'm going to give it a distinctive Wesleyan Methodist flair. And, and, and so before I start with that, I want to make it very, very, very clear. I'm going to talk about different aspects of grace, but there is one grace. God's grace. It's one grace. But if you were to if it were, say, a prism, and you shone a light prism over here, you would see it from a different light than you do from over here. And a different light when it's over here. So there's an interesting word that John Wesley used when when talking about grace. So the word is prevenient. Prevenient grace—it it, it comes from a Latin word that means to go before. So really, it's the grace that goes before. Calvin and Wesley had this constant back and forth. Or Calvinists and Wesleyan folks uh, had this back and forth about: Are we totally depraved? Is what, what Calvin would say. And, and in other words, when we fell, we were completely. Gone. There was we were, there was no good in us at all, in a natural person. And Wesley over here said, well, that would be true, except God's grace is always, always, always there. It's there before we come to know God. God's grace. For those folks in the world that are unbelievers, are anybody praying for anybody who comes to know Jesus? Yeah. God's grace is what's that's provenient grace that we're talking about. That's what's going to provide opportunities that God sends the right person at the right time to give them an opportunity to get to know him. So, so why would Wesley say that? Well, there's this Psalm 139. Before you were born, when you were in the womb, I knew you. God has known us since before we were born. And his grace has been there all of our lives. That means that before I came to salvation, its grace was available to me. So the idea that, that there is no good in us at all is, 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 would be true, except for that grace that's always around us. It's wooing us. It's courting us. Have you ever looked back and, and thought about when, when you came to know Jesus, what did that take? You looked at the circumstances around that. Who had to show up at what time? Who was your pastor? Who was your friend? For me, there's a guy named Anthony Frame. He was a friend of mine. There was this big movement in high school, uh, folks were it was you know were getting involved in church. And, and one of the coaches, a guy named Tom and later became a pastor. He was really active with a bunch of the guys. on the I was an athlete back then. It was it was a few pounds ago. <laughs> Um, and, so, and so there was a move amongst us as people came to know Jesus, and there's a guy who had kids named Anthony Frank. And one day before a basketball game of all time, in the bleachers at Pat Union High School, he asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now, in order for that to happen, a lot had to happen in my life. You know, some of you know my history. I, was, I needed some help. You know, there's no doubt about that. A lot of things had to happen in Tony's life. Tom LeBlair had to be at that school. So if you're a school teacher, you might just be making a difference with, with those kids and may not even know them. And then that moment came. So all of those moments leading up to the moment when I said yes, yeah, that was God's prevenient grace. One grace, right? That looked through the lens of of coming to know God. In that moment when I said yes, you know what that's called? You do. Salvation, being born again. You've heard of these things? Conversion. The the moment when we say yes to the offer of Christ, it's conversion, it's salvation, being born again. It's also, it's the moment that we are justified in the eyes of God. When we say yes, because the offer is there, the gift is always there. When we say yes, we are justified, and, and that was known as justifying grace in the Wesleyan legend. So, so me, grace is around all people, all time. Justifying grace happens to us in that moment when we say yes to the ever-present offer of salvation through Christ. And then what happens? <laughs> Come on, Randy. Sanctification. Sanctification, that's right. We are transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory. That's going to sanctifying grace. See, God's grace never goes away. It's always here. But remember, again, this is different lenses of looking at one grace. It's just God's grace. So God's sanctifying grace is at work in us. The rest of our life as we continue to seek to, to, to hit that target of God's will. Because that is the target. We want to be like Jesus, right? Just want to be like Jesus. That's the goal in our Christian life. So God's grace is ever present. And you know, it's not about us. I love that line. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. Because if it were up to us, you know, what the, if it were up to us, we would try to earn it. We would. I know us. We would do everything in our power to be good enough. I got some bad news for you. It's great news actually, but it's bad news. You will never be good enough for God. God is pure and holy and and, and just, and all this is perfection. Perfection. We will never. Measure up to God, ever, never, ever, 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 and that's why we are saved by grace through faith. What we do is because our heart is changed, and we want to be like Jesus. We want other people to know about this Lord of ours, about about this God of ours. So we talk, so we want to share Him with others. But it doesn't do anything for our salvation. The last line in our passage today, we had some guys come out, I don't know if you remember Bill Cook and Flipberry, and they did a little skit, uh, where they were chiseling at each other. It's, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are created to do good works, but we're not saved by those good works. In fact, there's another translation, that uh, uh, actually I like better, because we are God's masterpiece. When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you go, man, I'm really glad that I am God's masterpiece. Right? That's what we all do when we get up, right? Now, we don't see it. But here's, here's what God's grace continually, as we seek Him, and He continues to chip away at those things in our life that aren't of Him that keep us from him. He'll chip at those things. You know, maybe it's love. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's self-sufficiency. I don't know what it is in your life. But he chips away at those things so that one day, I hope one day for me, I hope one day for you, when you stand and you look in the mirror, you see him. And I really hope that people in the community don't see you and don't see me, but see Jesus in us. Because when they see that, when they see that, they'll know something's different. You cannot be touched by the power of Jesus Christ and not be and that's our goal. We talk about discipleship. We put a lot of different words around it. We want to become more like Jesus. And if we can do that, and if we can live that outside of the walls of this place and inside the walls of this place and everywhere that we go, then lives will be changed. Not by you and not by me. By him. So that's our goal. Simple goal, right? It happens because God extended his grace to us and gives us a chance to have more and more life.